0: When you're when you're in the zone and everything just seems to move smooth, like yeah, people look at you and go, "How do you? How did you put up 35 last night? I don't know. I was in the zone, you know. When you do that in your life, not just in business, but your life, everything does seem to move smooth. It's Crazy as the byproduct ends up being more money, more excitement, more joy, more connections, more network.
1: Pull up a seat to the table. You are listening to the Luminary Leadership Podcast, where we elevate successful entrepreneurs into powerful leaders doing work that really matters. After working with countless entrepreneurs, I've noticed a theme. No matter the level of success achieved, they get to this place where they're asking, now what? If you're listening to this, you get it. You're craving more impact. You want to do work that means something, and you want to be known for it, too. Somewhere along the way, it wasn't just about growing a business anymore. It became time to build your legacy. Plus, building the dream at the expense of everything else that matters, family, freedom, joy, is no dream at all. The Luminary Leadership Podcast is where industry leaders come to break through to their next level of achievement, purpose, and impact. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and I'm here to raise up this generation of leaders, us, so we can do our part in raising up the next generation of little luminaries, Get ready as we break down all things entrepreneurial leadership in a way that isn't being talked about. We both know you don't just need another strategy. It's time for your breakthrough. Find incredible friends that lift you up and push you to be better and hold you accountable to the person that you want to be and the person you're called to be. And I've found that in my good friend, Anthony Trucks. Anthony is a former foster child, which you're going to hear about today and how that has shaped his life and how he, although not responsible for the cards he was dealt, had to choose how he wanted to play them. A former NFL football player, a competitor on American Ninja Warrior, which is just so cool. He's an author, a life coach, and an entrepreneur. So how did someone like Anthony, someone who went through literal hell. You will hear about that today in foster care, growing up, feeling like he was getting passed around and not feeling the the natural love we should feel from a family to having a family of his own that he loves madly, that he is raising in leadership and doing incredible things, both with his kids and the people that he's making an impact on through his business, how do you go from one to the other? And how does it come so naturally to him, or at least seemingly so? You're just going to find yourself smiling throughout this entire episode that's all about – I didn't know how to name this one because we cover a lot of things, but I just kept being pulled back to how your choices – dictate your next level, your next level in leadership, your next level in wealth, your next level in your business, your next level in parenting, all these different categories of our life that we care so deeply about, yet sometimes we feel stuck in them. We we hit a certain level, but we know there's something else calling us. We know that something feels unsettled in us. So how do we break through that ceiling into where we're actually being called next? You will want to probably take some notes on today's episode And possibly listen to it more than once. Anthony's all about taking ownership, taking back control of your life, and to quote him, making shift happen. So tune in, share this one, and this might be a great one to bring to the kids too. Okay, let's get to the show. Okay, so, Anthony, this is not our first rodeo. I'm excited to have you on the new show and on Luminary Leadership Podcast because. I see the work that you are doing in your space and the impact that you're making and I've had the privilege of having just developed a friendship with you over the years that you're someone I had to have on the show because I know a lot of our audience knows who you are, but the ones that don't need to get to know you I appreciate it so that. welcome
0: welcome thank you I'm, this is always it's always fun to hang out with you. you're you're a very warm soul, like it's like thanks, oh, like a big warm blanket hey. <laughs>
1: I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. So I would love to go back in time a little bit because I know pieces of your story, the pieces that you've shared along the way. And we start a lot of conversations on the show around raising luminaries, right? Like bringing up that next generation. A lot of people really connect with that because either they have kids or they have kids in their world, nieces, nephews, they're teaching in some capacity, they're coaching. So they know that they are impacting in some way that next generation. And we talk about bringing up leaders and doing what's necessary to embody leadership and those strong values for our kids so that they can see it modeled for them. But not all kids are brought up with parents who are focused on that. Actually, there are plenty of kids who might not even see a positive example or leadership model for them in their lives. And you, for some time of your life, were one of those kids. So can you talk a little bit about your journey, your upbringing. And, you know, I have some questions to peel back the layers on that a little bit, because I think it'll really resonate with our audience. But I'd love for them to just to get to know you and your story.
0: Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So uh, I get, yeah, for sure, I was one of those kids. I I don't think at any point in time, even to now, do I have the uh, any leadership in my life, from my parental standpoint that gives me guidance. It's really just a matter of, I take a look at the world around me and say, how do I uh, I imitate or emulate those who I see that mm-hmm. I respect at a higher level? But anyway, so um, yeah, going back, I, I was given away at three years old in foster care. And, and so the people in my life were parental figures. It was just a, it was a very heinous system. So I had a lot of people that did some bleep, kind of bad things to me as a, as a kid, uh, whether it was like abusive or torturous or starving, just really weird things. And so what ended up being it was like I didn't feel like I mattered much, didn't have any any you know, hope, didn't have any aspiration. I didn't even I didn't aspire to almost anything at all. And so that was that was up until like you know six years old. And then I got landed in my family, which is my family now. But even in that family, very poor family, my mom and dad were, you know, always getting by, uh, never an aspiration for more until much later in my years. And and what's unfortunate is when my mom finally like went and got her GED. Because she had my older brother when she was 14. So she wasn't like, you know, an academic all-star. She didn't go to school. Like, you know, that was kind of her, she was a mom. And so whenever I was about that 13, 14 years old, like when I finally got adopted by the family, that's when she went back to school, got her GED, became a nurse, but then got diagnosed with MS. And so pretty much lost her career quickly after she finally got, I got something. So I grew up in that environment where it was just get by. There was never a desire or drive for more for great. It was like, we were poor. And that's everybody had to, everybody's poor. That's what we do. Like it's normalcy to be like We don't have anything. It's not, people don't have things. Mine doesn't grow on trees. You know, that was my mentality on top of that. You know, couple that with being a foster kid. Yeah. I didn't have much of it in me. That was, uh, the, the t- I'm, I'm just for the first time unpacking how little of that I actually had <laughs> as you asked the question. But wow. Yeah. I grew up in the complete opposite of what my kids grew up in now.
1: So yeah, it's amazing to. having gotten to know you over the last few years the transformation that you've walked through in your lifetime but where did you first see you know during that period in your life how it could be you know if you didn't have that modeled for you in the home even though you went and ultimately thank god ended up in a loving home it didn't necessarily mean that leadership was being personified for you Mm -hmm. so when did you first witness that and like man okay so it I don't have to live like this. Like I do have some choices despite the cards I was dealt throughout my childhood.
0: Yeah. I think it was, man, it was, it was a guy throwing a paper. <laughs> it was a, it was, it sounds weird. A newspaper. I saw a wow. kid my age had a, had a paper route of all things. The kid had a paper. I'm like, what's this thing? We just, just this, what does he do with that? Wait, oh, those papers? And then he gets paid to deliver papers. Wait, hold on. This kid's how old is he? He's like 11, 12. He gets paid to throw a newspaper. Well, hold on. My arm could work. I could throw a newspaper. So my first thing I did was I got a paper route. At one point, actually, I was doing like the whole washing of cars because I'm like, I can't be a paper boy. I might have been too young. But at a certain point, I was like, I I could be a paper boy. And it was like my first couple bucks that I made that like I made. And I had control to spend on whatever I wanted to spend. And I was like, oh, wait. So the the lever on this is if I just do more work, I get more money and then I can get more of the things I want. Oh, well, that's cool. Like it was this mentality of, like, oh, well, <laughs> I could do that. That's... And there's also where, like I, if I wanted something, I couldn't ask mom and dad. There was no way. My very first year of football, when I turned 14, I paid for my first year of football. Like my mom and dad couldn't afford it, but I, I could afford it for me, right? It's just, that's where it was going to come from. So I think it, was, it wasn't really modeled, unfortunately. It was more of like this weird, um, I guess I, I, I happened upon the idea that the way the world works is if you work for things in certain ways that that can make you money you can make money now the problem is is there's a limitation right there's a perspective of like this is the most i can make this is how hard i can work so i'm like well, there's a limited amount of it limited supply right that's just that's what it is so it took me years to really get to the point because entrepreneurship was not part of my existence until i left the nfl to be quite honest it was it was never modeled in this capacity it was always a matter of like i played sports So the first taste of it was early on, and then I went to sports. And then I think if we fast forward past a whole hell of a lot, which we'll probably go touch base on later, I think when I left the NFL and I went into the world of what we'll call just the real world, I had now new intangibles to apply to an old love. And that's where I think things blossomed.
1: Mm, Yes. That like gives me goosebumps to hear you say that. So I want to go back to the version of you... Maybe before you saw the paper boy and saw, hey, I have choice and I can do something about my situation up to some level, right? Do you feel like you had a victim mindset as a kid? Like when you were going through all that hell and experiencing all those setbacks and struggles and not coming from anything as far as money or status or anything of that nature?
0: Well, I think the good thing is was when you grow up where I grew up, everybody didn't have anything, you know, like it was, you it was, fit in people had, you know, but not, a, not a whole heck of a lot more. It was like, you know, I, not, not many people had the nice of the things. It just is what it is. So I don't, I don't, I don't remember actually feeling like less than at, at any really depth, you know, or any given time. I did feel like I didn't deserve much. though. that, that I think is one of the things that set in you when your own mom gives you away. And you grow up in an environment where you have shame around what your, your family kind of. So for example, as a foster kid, you don't want people to know you're a foster kid. There's shame there. So right. you, you have to say, I'm, I'm an adopted kid, but you don't want to talk about what happened. So there's this weird clamming up. And when you can't be expressive, it feels very confining. And so not only did I not have much and I had shame, I felt confined. And so there wasn't an internal option. I and mean, you, you asked about the decision. I don't know if I ever made a decision. Like I'm going to do anything. Until I was a choice for sports. But it's interesting is while I was a choice for sports, it actually was a choice for life. So I was at 15 years old sitting in this, this classroom and there's these girls that were talking to each other and they had no idea I'm paying attention. I was checked out. I'd had a couple bad years in football. I was like, I'm done with sports. And I was pretty much getting ready to slide into that background of life. You know, the guy that that's like had great potential, but didn't do anything. And this one girl says this to another one, she said, well, the reason I'm so bad is because I'm in foster care. And at face value, it's not really that bad of a statement unless it's the excuse you are holding yourself for being not so great. And it was one that unsettled me. I was like, "Ugh, I don't want to I don't want to be the guy who 30 years from now is like bad dad, bad husband, possible criminal because of something that I had no control over and because of foster care. And so it really, it shook me. And that exact day I went home and I looked in the mirror, 15 years old in my bedroom, like looking in this mirror, in my pupils, I said, Anthony, you're going to be great. And like, I can visually remember that moment to this day right now, but that was the choice. And what's crazy is while I made a decision to be great at something, it was football. But when you make a decision to be great, you can't, it's like, it doesn't not touch everything else. If I'm going to be great at football, there's what we call habit clusters. I got to be great as a human. I got to have great integrity. I got to show up great with my work ethic. I got to show up on, you got to show up. And when you show up, sure enough, it shows up everywhere else. And so that decision at that point in time was one that really was the first form of personal leadership to be great I'd entered into.
1: I love that story because that's something that I feel like people are sitting back waiting for sometimes. And you can call it what you want. Maybe it's not a victim mindset. Maybe it's just, you know, a tough life. And like, you haven't gotten to that place where you had finally gotten to when you looked in the mirror, but it was almost like you looked at yourself in the mirror and you decided to take ownership of a life that maybe you didn't ask for, or that the situation that you didn't ask for. Yeah. So there are a lot of people listening that their circumstances aren't as dire or they didn't go through what you walk through, but it's all relative, right? We all have our own mountains to climb and we walk through our own struggles and battles, but they've seen success in business. They've seen financial growth. They're making money. A lot of them, even though many might not be uh, spending it wisely or saving it wisely, that is up for debate. But I feel like this is kind of a pivotal point in everyone's life at every new level, right? There probably have come times, I would imagine, Anthony, where you had kind of a in the mirror moment, even later in life, when you had already seen some level of success, where you had to say, Anthony, you're going to be great, because you're facing that next new level, new devil, you're facing that new opportunity to break through whatever ceiling is ahead of you to step into the next version of you that is waiting. So Talk to that person, the one that knows they're being called to something more. But maybe they're the difference is you had your back against the wall. Maybe they're a little comfortable. Maybe they have the cushion. Maybe they have the safety net. And sometimes that can work against you, right? Because you're not, like, forced to go all in on what's next. Talk to that person who's like, ah, yeah, but things are good. Things are fine. At what point can they look in the mirror and say, hey, you know, this next level version of you, you're going to be great, and we're going to work towards that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've had, I've had a whole bunch of ups and downs in those. I've had more back against the wall moments, but I've also had the ones where it's like, dude, do more, you know? I think at the end of the day, there's, there's one, there's one statement that has been helpful to my relationship, but it's, uh, it's useful when you internalize it. The statement is simple. It's you can never want for someone more than they want for themselves. And when you do that, if you do that in a relationship or any capacity, like it becomes problematic because now somebody feels less than, right? But I think that there's a level where like, you do kind of need to realize this person's desire for what you can do. And I think a lot of us do get to that point of, usually it's a person in your life, like I have colleagues and coaches who like, I do great things, but they're like, dude, you can do more, right? Now when they want it and I don't want it now, it's like, I don't want to talk to this person. They're just pushing me. I'm good with what I got. But the reality is sometimes take a breather step back and go, man, what validity do they have in that statement? And so there have been for sure moments where I sit back and go, you know what? Like I've been telling myself you're working real hard. I've been telling myself, you've got a lot done. I've been telling myself, hey, in comparison to where you've been, like you've done a lot, man, you're good. But then what that does is that that whole good is an enemy of great. You know, it's like, I'm doing good. And realistically, when I step into my own life, I look at things like, let's be honest, in current situation, like I could be doing more. I always can. And I can make phenomenal excuses to why I'm sitting still where I'm at. But I actually just recently, we brought on new people in the team and they're pushing me like a a dog doesn't want to get out of the car. You know, (laughs) and it's, it's funny because I still do stuff, but there's always that next level. And what I realize is this, in all aspects of my life, every time I've achieved something that I've shot for that's great, it's always been greater than I could have imagined. And so I'm, I am personally right now anchoring to that thought you're saying of like, hey, you've done great, you've done more, but there is another level. And in my head, it's like, if I don't see it and I, I don't really care about it, it's not a big deal. But if I anchor to the point of like, no, but if you get to it, it'll taste sweeter than you could imagine. Like that pulls me a little bit. And then I also... Man, this is more of like we'll call it philosophical, but um, but I'm always chasing this. You ever played Mario Kart? And they got the ghost when you play it. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm always chasing this ghost where I the the biggest, serious, a genuine fear in my life is leaving this planet without having done the thing I'm supposed to do.
1: Amen. Yep. Same here. Don't know
0: what it is. I, I have no clue what that is. But I, I, and I don't think I ever will. You know, but I, I'll know if I didn't get to the next level. I should have in time, and so. Like as I, as I settle into that fear of what that is, I can look back and go, look, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything wrong in any way with what I've accomplished. It doesn't mean what I've accomplished isn't good enough, but there is a new level of new joy I can achieve. And the more I go into it, man, the more I carve out that legacy of, of living a life that is something I'm supposed to have lived. I have this quote that I I made up years ago and it's the last person I ever want to meet my deathbed is the person I could have been and whoever that guy is man i'm i'm carving out time to find him so yes liz i do look in the mirror at times and i go man you're doing good dude but how can you do greater
1: yeah and it's funny we before we hit record it's always before we hit record isn't it like where you have capture a nugget but i we were talking a little bit about and i was telling you how you know i'm kind of feeling that right now uh with the work we're doing with luminary leadership company of shifting into serving peers and people who, or people who are even further ahead by certain metrics in business or areas of their life or years in business or money or whatever. And I've had to get past my limitations of thinking, who am I to serve these people? And, and remembering that there's almost like this, you know, we don't know, we'll know in retrospect someday when we're gone how it all worked, but we don't know now. But there's a piece of me that believes there's this kind of predetermined purpose that God has for us and we spend our lives seeking that, like what you talked about, like what is that next level and and stepping into greatness. And when I let fear talk, fear tells me all the reasons why, you know, I'm not ready or why would they want to want me or like, who are you or the past traumas from my childhood creep up and nag at me. But when I let go of that, and I just sit and I listen to where I'm being guided and the gifts that I've been blessed with and, and allowing myself to admit that I'm blessed with certain gifts, that's the that's tough thing for me sometimes. The ripple effect that comes from that is such a reminder that you're on track towards your purpose. You know, When I let go of the fear and I lean into where I know I can serve people, even if they are already successful or they already have wins. The beauty that comes from that and the transformations that come from that are my validity and, you know, confidence boost that this is where I'm called to go. All right, hold on. I need to digress for a second because it's exactly in alignment with what we're talking about here. Behind so much of what we talk about on this show is with you in mind, so trying to think about what specifically bridges that gap from building a business into really being known for what you do, being respected as a leader, and crafting that legacy. And I know those feelings. You know, okay, I hit the goal, I made it here, but now what? something bigger is calling me or being really ready to elevate out of the weeds of business and into a true CEO role where you can be in that flyover viewpoint of your business and see what it really needs next and have that white space to create it and have the team to support it. That's how you truly scale and grow, shifting from, you know, just making money to building wealth or managing a team to leading a movement that they're all in on, being reactionary to having this long term plan. I know the feeling of all those things because I've walked through them and I've been a part of countless masterminds and countless communities and programs that capture one piece of that, but not all of those things, not in a way that honors what matters most. Maybe they teach me how to advance one aspect of my business, but they're not showing me how to do it in a way that works for me. Or everybody's just competing against each other and not actually supporting one another, letting each other into their worlds and networking and lifting each other up. So we as a company are doing something that hasn't been done before. And it's a little scary. It always is when you're first tapping into something new. We're hosting a high level business incubator that is just legit breaking the mold on masterminds. It's invite only, but as a listener, we're opening up a limited time opportunity to book a call to find out if this could be the thing you've been looking for that's going to move the dial in all areas of your world, but do it in a way that's in alignment with your purpose, helps you tap into your potential, your next level of profitability, but also brings you peace, not more stress. There are ways you can do this. Those incredibly uber successful people that you see that we all drool over the lives they're living where they really have found success in all these different categories we're focusing on the whole person like that so the luminary leadership incubator is this unprecedented business opportunity for founders to amplify their leadership to be known as a leader in their space for what they do to build wealth to massively create impact both in the world and in their own homes. So if any of this speaks to you, make sure you go to luminaryleadershipco.com forward slash incubator so you can book a time to chat. You're going to see the industry leaders that have already committed to this program for the fall and you're going to want to run alongside them. Okay, so head on over to luminaryleadershipco.com forward slash incubator. Check out what this is all about, See if it lights anything inside you. And if it does, book that call. At the very least, you can find out if this is the right path for you. So talking about that next level and thinking about who might be listening, I think a common misconception, I'd be curious what your thoughts are, is that for entrepreneurs or business owners, especially ones that have already found success, their next level means the next seven figures they're going to bring in or the next you know, x amount of followers next to their name or the next media appearance or the next best selling book and although those things are wonderful and and things worth pursuing, goals worth having. Sometimes I think that nagging we mistake it for those things. We're like, "Oh, it must be time to do that next really hard thing in business." But maybe it's not. You know, and it's going to be different for every person, but maybe it's, you know, next level showing up as a better spouse or taking time and, you know, slowing the business down to be present with the kids or realizing that you've been neglecting your health for a decade because you've been building this dream or whatever it might be. So I would love your perspective on that. Like, I think sometimes we get trapped so much in the glam and the glitz of building and creating and whatever, but there are next levels that are not measured by the same metrics that we might be accustomed to.
0: Yeah, that uh, it's an unfortunate reality. Is I think we, uh, I honestly believe that in life we have these scales that we have in our head, and we adopt the world scale instead of setting our own. So now what happens is I go in and I say, okay, what's the next level? Let me take a look at the world scale, and the world scale sucks because it's not set; it's always moving, and there's always more. And so the moment I do even accomplish anything, there's always more. So I feel immediate dissatisfaction with what I should have joy with. And so what I do is I I set my own scale. Like I'm in I'm in season of dad. I call it right now. Sounds odd. It, not for you, it doesn't sound odd. That's no, a beautiful in, thing. The uh, season of dad. And so if you're like, what is season of dad? I'm like, well, I could easily, when the clock strikes four, keep on working. I could make excuses and keep doing stuff. I could travel more and do more speeches. But I choose to turn things down because my daughter has a swim meet, or my son has a track meet, or I want like I'm carving out work for the next like three days. I'm doing nothing. I'm driving to Oregon. We just got back from L.A. for a track meet for my son. Season of death. I've set my scale to where when somebody goes, but you could have done more, I go, yeah, I could have. I would have had to sacrifice something that matters more to me than the next seven figures. And so that's a difficult thing for people to do because they don't set their scale. But then I think also you're 100% correct. Like At a certain point when I was building my first gym business, I blew up my family. I was at the gym that I had built 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. I wasn't a present father. neglected like my health, my kids, my wife. Next thing I know, I'm sitting there divorced, out of shape, no, no kids in the house. Like it's my weekend, her weekend thing. Like, you know, it's just watch another man help raise my kids. Very odd situation. And I I said for three years I was in that fog and it didn't work out. We eventually fixed the marriage and somehow God put us back together three years later, amazingly. But the reality is, is I I didn't realize that what success was in my head was actually leading me down a path towards destruction. And and if we can step in and say, hey, I do want to reach the next level. I think we are, as human beings, talking about. we're builders. I love being in the motion of creating things. It's a matter of folks and what I create. So I think, yes, you get to a certain point where you take a look at what your life is and what the next level is. And it does not have to be the world's scale of seven figures. In fact, I think once you've got that, the reality should be you're pretty intelligent. You found the levers to pull to make that. If you're seeking something more and something's missing, Right. We'll call it that. It's not going to be fulfilled by the same thing that you have. It's something outside of that. It's something more than what you current. not more of what you have isn't going to get you the next thing. It's, it's having the thing you don't have, which could be a balanced relationship. So now when you go to work, you don't have the stress of your wife at home waiting for you to get home and nagging you or a relationship to where you have peace and joy and you feel more free at work. You're not trying to find a way to hide the affair you're having, right? Or maybe you don't have to feel the guilt of missing another kid's sporting event. So it's like these little weights that carry to different parts of your life. It's like maybe the thing is releasing the guilt by going and covering up and fixing your marriage, being a better parent, taking care of your body so you have energy to be present with people. Like all these little nuances because when you get to that, as an athlete, I call it the zone. You don't. Do you, you play sports at all? I, sports. I
1: did. I was a basketball girl.
0: Hooper, I love it. You, Hooper. When you're like when you're in the zone and everything just seems to move smooth, like yeah, people look at you and go, "How do you? How did you put up 35 last night? I don't know. I was in the zone, you know. When you do that in your life, not just in business but your life, everything does seem to move smooth. It's crazy as the byproduct ends up being more money. More excitement, more joy, more connections, more network. But uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, I love where your head is with this and I love the perspective of it. Sometimes your next level isn't the level the world would tell you it is.
1: Yeah. And your story with your wife is one of my favorite because it's also uh, such a testament to one, the power of what God can do, you know, what man can't do on his own or her own. And And just the testament to both of you that you needed that time to figure out what your priorities really were and to come back together in the way that you have. And I watch the way you guys are raising your kids. And it's, man, it's so in alignment. I mean, we had something scheduled and you reached out and you're like, hey, my son made this, you know, incredible meet that we have to get out to. And it was like, no brainer. Okay, cool. We'll reschedule because this is why I work with Anthony because he gets it. And if I had come to you and done the same thing, it's like, yeah, we know what top level priorities are and everything else is just facilitating us being able to honor those top priorities, right? So, and Michael and I have this thing where when we're setting goals and we're looking at the path that's going to be, we're going to have to walk to get to that thing and what's going to be required of us, it's always, okay, set the goal and then look before we set it in stone, it's at what cost. What's it going to cost us to achieve this thing, to buy this thing, to go for this thing? And then it's really easy when you have a solid set of values and you honor those things and you have the standards that you live by, it's so easy to juxtapose that goal and the cost of making that goal happen against those values and say, oh, no, this isn't for me. It doesn't matter how shiny it is. It doesn't matter how much money it could bring in. It doesn't matter what stage it could put me on if it's in conflict with who I'm seeking to become and who I want to honor. And, and the people that matter most to me, it's actually not for me because the cost is too great. And it's allowed us to uh, get away from seeking the wrong things that seem appealing and, and shiny and aim towards the things that bring us closer to the person that we're called to be.
0: Yeah. I love it. Well said. 100%. It's a—it's funny. It's, it's, a, it's You have to do it internal because it's not something the world would tell you is normalcy. It's not the stuff that's highly there's not viral videos on that mentality. You know, right. Like, right. people don't all go like, look, let's all focus on family and make that. And it's like, no, hustle, get down, grind. Like, and it's all good and well, but I, I love it. It's at what cost. That's exactly what yeah. I was saying. Like, I do things, right? I turn down thousands of dollars in speeches because I, my kid has a football game I'm going to be at. I've done it many times. But the reality is, is is like, I did it one time where I flew to the Philippines to help out and teach football. And I missed my son's championship football game. To this day, it's one of those things that eats at me that like, dang, I can't get that back. It'll never even remotely close to happen again. But in the long run, man, it's a better payoff than any paycheck I would have got.
1: Right. Yeah. And we hear it all the time. It's cliche, but you talk to people who are towards the end of their life and looking back and reflecting. And it's like, they're never regretting the money they didn't make or the deal they didn't sign or the tangible thing they didn't purchase. It's never that. And unfortunately, it's really hard to fully embrace that. Like we understand the concept of that, but it's really hard to live by that. Until you get to that point and you have perspective, you know, it's always looking in the rear view. But can we talk about the world for a minute here and, you know, potentially ruffle feathers because everybody's offended by something out there? Uh, what do you what do you see going wrong in the world today as far as people's mindset? And, you know, like I feel like we're like one moment in time away from people putting up billboards that it's like cool to be a victim and cool to not own their lives.
0: I you know, and then this is my I feel like there's something where the world's against having a hard stop or a hard line. Totally. I, I it's it's interesting, like it's as much as we want our, our world to have rules and stuff, it's like, but the moment a rule goes up, no rules. Like, do whatever you want. I'm gonna change this and adjust this. And it's very interesting to see our world sliding into a complete heavy gray, man. Everything is it's gray. Uh I don't know, man. Though it is it will ruffle feathers, but I think that for me the way I look at things is is as we head into the future, like the mindset of people, it's 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 weak. It's a very weak mentality. Now, I'm not I'm not the guy you're gonna see on my social. Like, gotta be strong, go America, or shoot guns. Like, that's that's not me. Now, I, I, <laughs>
1: that's I, not you. <laughs>
0: I have friends like that, and I'm not right. even like. I, but at the same capacity, like, I am about go do your thing. But I'm not um, I'm not stuck in that weird hard line of you gotta like. I want you to be strong enough to handle life's hardships. My son, right now. He is going into college, and the kid has. We paid what two thousand a month for his private school. He has a twenty thousand dollar car. Like his only things, this kid has to do is is school and sports. And he's like, "It's I got to do summer classes." Hell yeah, you got to do summer classes. You know why? Because <laughs> this is your version of hard. If I send you off to the world, which and this is a scary part about our world right now. If I sent him off to the world, he he would be he would struggle with the ability to balance. Because go, he's going to go into his own his own laundry, take care of his own dinner each night, take care of his all his yeah. own stuff and planning, then school he already does, then sports. You're stressed out with school and sports and we do everything else for you. God forbid I put more on your plate. And you're a solo human out in some different school going to college. Like, dude, you need to figure out that, that as you go into the world, it does not get easier. You just get stronger. And so I think the mentality nowadays for a lot of people, and this is my perspective, is people are trying to find ways for it to be okay to be weak. It's Amen. like the whole, I have seen videos where people are shaming people for getting in shape, losing fat because it's fat shaming. You wanting to be healthy means you're, you don't like what, what is going on? So in my mentality, I'm like, I think the world has a weakness that is, is problematic. And the most I can do is just to work on my household and work on myself. And those who will listen to me and agree, line up with them. And those who don't like me, that's great. I still love you as a human. But my beliefs are different. And I I will respect your beliefs. So if you believe that's bad, I I respect your belief. I'm not gonna make fun of you or anything. It's just not what I would believe. But if you talk about the world overall, we've got a problem with, I think, man, I think we definitely have a a world that's going towards a no backbone, weak mentality and how do we be okay with people being weak? And that scares me.
1: Yeah. I, I mean you and I have talked about this a little bit off the books, and I and we're very much on the same page with that. And it's it's true to to reiterate what you said sometimes it comes down to a difference in values, right? Like that's why we we value different things. I have a, a good friend who she and I, we literally just have fundamentally different things that we value in life. Like she doesn't want to have children. I want, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful we have children. That's okay. I fully honor her choice and she respects me and I respect her. But there is this, it, it's less about that, And it's more about what you talked about where people are looking for an excuse to lean into that weakness. And we're actually changing the culture to fit the lower, like beneath the bar of average to make everybody else feel included and comfortable instead of challenging the people who are struggling to say, hey, there's another way. We can still lend a hand to people. We can still put, there are plenty of people along the way that have put their, if they hadn't put their hand out to me, I wouldn't be where I am today, but we're not going to do it for you. And we're going to, you know, lead you to water. You know, we're going to help you get to where you want to go in your life. And we're not going to tell you that it's okay. Like I, I had, I remember back at the beginning of all the craziness in the world a year and a half ago, when the whole thing started with the pandemic, I had put something out there about talking about. talking we have no control over how this plays out, but we have a, we have control over how we choose to spend our time, what our habits are. And I'm leaning into that. No matter what happens outside of my world, I'm going to govern my own world and I'm going to take control of what I can control. And I actually had people showing up in my inbox saying that, well, maybe this is a time for, because people are scared and it's crazy to sit on the couch and just watch netflix and chill out <laughs> and just wait until they see what happens i'm like that's fine you do you but i am not going to promote that i'm not going to promote it to my kids i'm not going to promote it to the world and i'm not going to feel bad that i'm pursuing something greater and because you're not you think that i'm trying to shame you i don't i'm not in control of you i'm not telling you what to do i'm just telling you what i'm doing and i'm talking to the other people who it might flip a switch and be like oh actually i'm going to own what i can own
0: yeah, man, that's bad. Because then what happens is they're essentially, because they have a difference of opinion, they immediately feel attacked because, right. of whatever reason, they feel like it's a, like you just said. What I, here's what I'm going to do. I don't, I'm not going to promote this. right? This is my thing. But now you have to try and convince me. And it's not you're not saying it to try to get to the point of like I'm I'm really wrong. It's like you have to feel valid in your right. And it's a weird right. It is super odd that people would say it's okay to sit down. Because here's the thing. So if you and your husband are fighting and arguing, and he's like this is too hard, and he sits down, and he stops talking to you. Are you going to be okay with that? Well, of course you're You're going to be bothered by that. It's very weird. And I agree. It's like, it's like a hundred kids are outside the playground and 98 of these kids want to play basketball and two want to play soccer. And we say, you know what? We all got to play soccer because these two don't feel included in basketball. No, like we should all find a way to get these two kids to find out to play basketball because the majority wants this, but we, society is going towards how do we make sure everybody's happy. And to be honest. I don't think everybody should be happy. Not that I'm, I want people to be happy, but if you are happy, that means that you are content with where you're at. And statistically, not everybody's at a great place. So why would I, why would I find a way to have you be happy at a lower level? Because it just deters the top level when I could find a way to have you be happy in what I think true joy is, which is when you have a personal power over control of your life and you can work towards something, you have personal pride, like, that gives you a happy you can't have by me accepting your desire to be weak. It's mm-hmm. a happy at a level that is enduring, that is powerful and allows you to have a different perspective. But I think unfortunately we're talking to people who have, they, they cannot even see the other side. It's like if we're talking at level 10 and they're at level two, just to connect the dots to get to a level 10 conversation would frustrate me to no ends. Yeah. So I do, I do love what you're saying. It's like, look, you can do what you want. And I do. I love people at a distance. I love where they're at. But the only thing I can do is I'm not going to... Oh, dude, here's a great one. Oh, my goodness. This Hit right. me. T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes. He's, uh, love.
1: He, I love Pastor Pastor Jakes. Have, you, have you
0: heard this thing about a giraffe and a turtle? No. Tell oh, me. This is beautiful. beautiful. It's not mine. I'm not giving... I'm, I'm giving credit. So he talks about this. He says, if you have a turtle and a giraffe standing in the exact geographical location and you have each one report what they see, well, the turtle's going to say... I see this, 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 I see the bug, I see the grass, I see the bush right there. The, the, the giraffe says, I see the rivers, I see the lake, I see the mountain. No, that's not what's going on. That's not possible. I just see this. If they report from each area, they report different news. Now, if a giraffe tries to come down to the turtle's level to see his point, in fact, physiologically, because of the placement of the heart, the giraffe will pass out. It'll fall on the Oh my gosh. It can't put his head down that low. So what essentially is like, look, you can be in the same location. But you can report your news, but don't come down to the level of those who can't see your level. The best thing would be for the turtle to climb the giraffe and get to see a different point.
1: Yeah. Wow, that is awesome. And <laughs> not surprising because DD Jakes is the man. No. Uh, yeah, and it's it's like we all the trend of society right now is let's all drop to the lowest common denominator and le- and level a playing field. And the reality is we're humans. There is no such thing as leveling a playing field in that way where we can get everybody, we can get everybody to have, uh, you know, opportunities and always support the underdog in any way we can. Absolutely. That's, that's how humanity should operate. Mm -hmm. Generosity is a core value of ours. But at the same rate, we also can't control what people do with it. You know, there are people who were in your situation, Anthony, growing up, who made very different choices going forward in their lives. They, you know, because of the life that they were handed, which was impossibly hard. Like I've heard some of your stories and it it makes me want to cry even thinking about it. I just can't fathom it, having kids, looking at my kids and thinking about what you walked through in your childhood. You had to make way tougher decisions than I did as a kid. I was in a safe home. I had, you know, parents leading the way in ways that you didn't have when you were young. So you had to work way harder than me to get to certain places, but you made those choices and you were willing to do that work. And we can't control what other people, what choices other people make. All we can do is model those examples and never forget about the people who have served us along the way so that we remember to pay that back and and put out our hand and help as many people as we can. But guess what? We can't force them to reach back out and grab it, right? Like people are only as willing as they're willing. So we yeah. can- you know, pray for them and, and continue to try and serve as best we can. But
0: You're a great that's the reality. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's true. 75% of, of inmates in prisons in America are former foster kids like me. So like mm. statistics are not good. And I don't, and I think is I don't look negative upon those people. I don't look at them and go, Oh, I did it. You should have done it. There's none of that. In fact, it's more of like, man, I totally grasp how you got there. Yeah. And to be quite honest, I understand how hard it is to get out. But there is a better way. And I think it's, it's, the thing is, it's not a matter of whether it exists. It's whether or not they, most people believe it can exist and whether or not they make a commitment to go that direction. Cause it's, it's, a, it's a choice. Do I choose to stay where I'm at and fight for what I got? Or do I demonize those that are higher level so I can feel comfortable where I'm at? Cause no matter what it is, humans want comfort. I want to feel right. good about where I'm at. That's why when people get like those who poke and like, oh, I don't, maybe this should happen. The interesting thing is there's two choices they typically have same two choices. One choice is I have to admit that you are right. And I have to accept that I'm in a place where I have to now do better. And I have to sit with that emotion. And most people don't like to go to bed with that. So the second option most people choose majority is how do I demonize this? How do I get you to do what I want you to do? How do I get you to come to my level so I can feel good at my stature? So they'll, they'll poke you. They'll prod you. They'll diminish you. They'll, they'll say negative things. They'll hate, we'll call it, to bring you down. It's, it's not even about you. It's about them having a status. So they don't have to sit with that emotion of I'm doing it wrong. And so I try to get people to understand like, Hey, for you to have the emotion of like you group in foster care, I get it, but it doesn't mean you have to demonize me or say I'm special, whatever it is to minimize. It's okay to have that, that internal anguish to realize you have to be better. That's the catalyst for growth. Pain is the catalyst for growth. A, a, if you think about a crab, when it has to shed its shell, it only does so when it feels the pressure of the shell painful. It goes behind a pier, it sheds the shell, creates a new one, but that's growth. It happens as a catalyst for pain. And sometimes it's a pain for emotional realization.
1: Yeah, it sure is. And And I think in our humanity, we have to empathize with those that are in different places than us and and seek to uh, support and help people as best we can. But I think you're totally right. It's people love the familiar. So people will choose the familiar of pain, right? There are certain things in life that cause physical pain, emotional pain. But when it's familiar, it's almost like numb. You know, it's like you're so used to it. And it also is painful to grow. Like, it's painful to say, okay, I'm going to lose those 300 pounds. That's going to be a really painful journey, both physically, mentally, emotionally. You're going to have to work through a lot of stuff. I'd rather sit in the pain, the familiarity of pain that I feel from being having these 300 pounds on me rather than pursuing something that requires a lot of change and growth because it's unfamiliar, it's unpredictable, and it requires you to, like, feel your stuff. You can't just go numb to get to that next level. And I think that applies to everything, little and big things, business and otherwise, family, marriage, raising children. It's this expectation. Like when we set the expectation, I don't know if you've had this moment, but I just like in the last few years, even, I think it was when I was in labor with our youngest, the difference between my three labors. Don't worry, I won't give you TMI, but (laughs) It hurt a lot. We'll just go with that. And the first two kids having natural childbirth, it was like, I am in so much pain. I'm just like focusing on the pain. And the third one hurt physically just as bad, but I set the expectation for pain going into it. It was like, okay, this is going to be a painful thing, but there's something so beautiful on the other side of it. Uh, and it was such a different experience. I still felt the pain. It still was agonizing. You, you still walk through all those things, but it, it didn't tear me apart. It didn't like leave me like still even afterwards focusing back on that pain. It was focusing on what I got to at the end of that more. Uh, and and people just don't do that so much these days. And they're actually told, they're not told to do that. They're not taught to do that. They, they're certainly not taught to do that in school. That's for sure. And that's a big driver behind a lot of the stuff we're trying to create for kids is because I think kids are the ones suffering the most. Yeah. Because of all of this, because of how society is shifting.
0: Or they will suffer. They, they will right. not be equipped to handle the hardship. And it's funny, as, yeah. as, I just, I think as you're talking, 100% this applies to people at a lower level, but this applies to people at a higher level too. Absolutely. Those, I, you, could, you could have a seven, eight, nine figure business and still have the reality of like the next level for me is going to be pain. And, yeah. and a lot of us, I think we get lulled to sleep with this thought of like, I don't know how to do hard work. Yes. You know how to do the hard work to get to the level you're at now. But that next level for you brings new pain. If I want to get stronger in the weight room, I'm going to have to add weight. And it's going to, I don't care how strong I am in comparison to the rest of the people in the gym, I want to get bigger, it's going to burn, you know, like, so the reality is it applies to all of us. And I do agree that our kids are the ones that are going to have the worst of it. Cause they're going to, I just last night was sitting with my wife and my son. I'm like, look, dude, I get your life. and know what's going on, but I know I'm going to get a lot of phone calls between the age of 20 and 30. Of you dealing with stuff that you just didn't, you don't have the, the tools for right now. You're to get physical. I'm going to probably come to your house and fix your fence and change your tire. Cause for some reason you haven't got that part. You can't even. Right. <laughs> Sucks. But like hardships, heartaches, dealing with girlfriends and, and dealing with work. Like I'm like, dude, and it's not because of, of uh, what I did or didn't do. It's just that you haven't had a hard enough life yet. But I promise you life's coming, man. So they do get the wrong end of the stick right now because that not only are, if you're in a household, subscribes at a weak mentality. And then you avoid that. Oh my goodness. It scares me what that world's going to look like for some kids, but at least my kids, they know they can lean on mom and pop when it comes time to figure out hard stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, since we're on the topic of this share just real quick, a couple of the core values that you guys, you know, live by and, and model in your home that are non-negotiable.
0: Oh, non-negotiable. We love on people, man. We are uh, like we actually have visions and values. Like it's it's weird. So I have like I have company values that are actually born from life values. So it's five of them. Um, one of them is is we love on people, and not everybody's a a person that I like, you know. But I still love on them. It's just the reality. Just because I don't like you doesn't mean I can't love you. And and I do it with actions, not with just words. I don't say something to you and then go behind your back. And you know, it's just I love on people. My kids see that. They see how I handle people that are not my best friends, we'll call it. Other one is I'm real big on always doing the right thing. Integrity in my household holds such a humongous top tier piece. You do what's right. Even if you don't want to do it, you do it. My oldest son, a couple, was two weeks ago, my wife and I went to pick my youngest son up from grandma's house in San Francisco. And it was just my oldest son and my daughter. So his sister here, and he has a car and, you know, and it was like dinner time and we weren't going to make it back. And we didn't say anything to him, but they got hungry. And my son, you can see with a little 360 app, he goes to Chipotle and he comes back. You can see the distance. And my wife goes, I wonder if he got Tatum a burrito. And I go, he got her a burrito. She goes, I don't know. He's tied with his money. I said, no, he got a burrito. And there's a reason why I said she, he got one. I said, because before he went, he knew it, in his head, he had to think, I'm here with Tatum. She doesn't have any dinner. She, you know, maybe I should get a burrito. Well, anyways, my wife checked his bank account because she still has access to it. Sure enough, 20 bucks went out because he needed without talking to anybody else in that family he knew it was right to go do that to get a burrito so like it's a family vibe we do the right thing even if we don't want to do it next thing is we 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 do hard things i'm big on like i do not want you to find shortcuts be efficient but we're not going to not do hard work man so like last night like a lot of my son is beautiful right now he has a sign language class and he waited to the last minute to do like 15 lessons in a two-page report. And yesterday was trying to get out of it. Can I drop the class? Can I drop the class? Can I drop the class? I said, How long have you known you had to do this? Oh, three weeks. No, you cannot. You have exactly six hours and 32 minutes to get all of it done because we do hard things, man. It's a family value because there's more on the back end pride-wise than what you can handle when you've done hard things. Next one is we always seek growth. So, like my wife and I, we're always trying to find ways to like expand and, and, and grow. Like I read books, I learn new things. You know, she puts herself in situations where it's faith-based or life-based to find ways to grow as humans. Because I realize that if I don't continuously grow, I'm not just stunting my growth. I'm stunting the growth of my kids when they meet my level. If I can't help them pass where they're at, then I, I'm not doing the best I can for them. So if I'm 20 years, so I'm not trying to figure something but If I haven't grown in 20 years, my son will surpass me. He'll get to the point of, and I, I have this fear because I have surpassed my father he's only 12 years older than me, different conversation, I'm adopted. But I surpassed him probably 10 years ago emotionally, and it sucks because there's certain things I can't Mm -hmm. come to him with, right? And the biggest thing for me is is we're adaptable. We make shift happen, which is my my business statement. we're adaptable. No matter what happens, we adapt to the world. So when all this pandemic went crazy, we adapted fast, man. We found, how do we get home? How do we do? We got to do like, we just, we navigated in the, I'm not going to be the family that's like, oh, the pandemic happens, why this took place. No, no, I'm the family that, right. A, the pandemic happened, but look what we still did. Mm-hmm. Look what we got. My wife had the greatest business year of her, her business last year. Like we just found ways to do it. So those those are family values, man. They trickle into everything that we do as a family, but it's also heavily in my business. It's how I run my business with all my teams. And so, yeah, that's, that's the core of us.
1: That's beautiful. I, I recently, for Father's Day, I had our... Uh, we have 11 values that we kind of have an explanation to. And so many of yours align with ours, which is one of the reasons I know I gravitate towards you. So I love that you're doing that. And and I say all the time that God willing, the world will keep you know shifting to use your language in a positive direction or start shifting in a positive direction. But if not, Worst case scenario, our kids can be like half wits and they're still going to shine because the competition is going to be limited with the way the world's going. So it's a win win. But your kids are beautiful and the work you're doing is amazing. And, you know, I adore you and your family. So thank you for coming on today. And please tell people where they can come and hunt you down.
0: Oh, yeah. Come hunt me down. You can go to Instagram at Anthony Trucks. Uh, I also have a book that comes out August 24th. It's uh, if you go to IdentityShiftBook.com. You can go check it out. Use the code. We'll give you a code freebies. Just use the code freebies and you get a whole bunch of cool stuff. Unless I, I can make awesome. a special for, for your people. But yeah, that's cool, man. That's where you find me. I hang out on social media, but I don't all the time because I have a family. So I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's how we roll.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Anthony. You're the best. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care. So if you want to be entered into our Luminary of the Week drawing, then comment, save, and share the Instagram post from this episode. We want to lead and spoil you. Thank you for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate you. So tune in next time to keep building that legacy and doing the work that really matters.